Chapter 10 of With Links of Steel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dory Smith. With Links of Steel by Nicholas Carter. Chapter 10. On the Trail. Nick Carter was a little perplexed. Miss Violet Page had recovered from her sudden swoon, and although still very pale, she sat gazing calmly at the silver jewel casket which Nick was again displaying. Somewhat to Nick's surprise, considering the girl's abrupt collapse upon first beholding the casket, Miss Page had just declared that she had never seen it before that evening. "'You never saw it before?' exclaimed Nick, almost incredulously. "'Never until you produced it from your desk a few minutes ago,' reiterated Violet. "'Why, then, were you so overcome upon seeing it?' "'I will tell you why, Detective Carter, yet I fear that you will think me very weak and foolish to have been so seriously affected.' No, I think not. I had a terrible dream last night, sir, Violet now explained. I dreamed that I was alone in an enormous graveyard at midnight, with a full moon revealing the dismal surroundings, the dark tombs, the staring white headstones, and the silent graves. Not very cheerful, certainly, smiled Nick. What followed was infinitely more terrible, continued Violet with an irrepressible shudder. What was that? I dreamed that I saw a grave near which I was standing suddenly begin to open, as if a living being were pushing up the ground from within. Then I saw a fleshless hand appear above the disturbed sods. Then a sightless human skull thrust itself forth, and presently, filling me with a terror I cannot describe, the entire skeleton emerged from the partly open grave and arose and approached me. A gruesome dream indeed, remarked Nick. But what of the casket? This of the casket, sir, concluded Violet. In the skeleton's right hand, which was extended straight toward me while he approached, was a silver box, the exact likeness of the one you hold and which you so abruptly showed me a short time ago. Ah, oh, I see, nodded Nick. In my present nervous condition, Detective Carter, the sight of the real casket after so horrible a dream was more than I could sustain. Fairly before I knew it, I had fainted. A curious dream and a startling sequence, said Nick. Evidently, coming events have been casting their shadows before. I am sorry to have shocked you so severely. Pray don't speak of it, Mr. Carter, protested Violet. I am now quite recovered. Then we will at once proceed to business again, said Nick. Am I to infer, Miss Page, that you know nothing at all about this casket? "'Absolutely nothing, sir,' declared Violet. "'Have you ever heard your maid, Mary Barton, "'speak of possessing such a jewel-box?' "'Never, sir.' "'Nevertheless,' said Nick pointedly, "'this casket was found beside her dead body "'in Central Park this afternoon.' "'A half-suppressed cry broke from Violet upon hearing this. "'Oh, sir, then that must have been the package "'mentioned by Harry Boyden,' she cried excitedly. "'What's that?' demanded Nick. Have you seen Boyden since his arrest? Yes, sir. When and where? He was arrested at my home about half past six, sir. When I learned for what and heard the particulars, I was advised by my landlady to appeal at once to you. Did you come directly here? I did, sir, as fast as a carriage could bring me. Ah, now we shall get at it, declared Nick. Tell me, Miss Page, just what Boyden said about Mary Barton. Why, sir... He said he left her alive and well about half-past five. Where? 
on her way through the park, replied Violet. He had met her about five o'clock, and they walked about in the park for a short time. Then he told her that he had an errand to do, after which he was coming to call upon me. Then Mary laughed and replied that she would see him later. That doesn't smack very strongly of suicide, Chick, remarked Nick with a glance at the former. I should say not, replied Chick with a shrug of his shoulders. Did Boyden know where Mary went after he left her? inquired Nick, reverting to his visitor. No, sir. He declared to the officers that he did not. What mention did he make of the package carried by the girl? He stated that Mary had what appeared to be a small square box done up in brown wrapping paper and secured with a string. Did he make any inquiries about it? He asked her what it was, and she told him it was for me. Did she tell him where she got it? Yes, sir, she did, and I am quite mystified by it. Please explain, said Nick. What did the Barton girl say about the parcel? She said it was given to her by a woman whom she had met on Fifth Avenue a short time before. An acquaintance? No, sir, a strange woman, continued Violet. Yet the stranger must have known Mary and that she lived with me, for she asked her if I was at home. And then? When told that I was, she gave Mary the package and asked her to deliver it to me, into my hands only, as it was a gift from a friend. Was the name of the friend mentioned? I think not, sir. The woman cautioned Mary against opening the package, stating an explanation that she wished me to be the first to see what it contained. These are the facts which Mary Barton told to Harry Boyden, are they? demanded Nick with an ominous ring stealing into his voice. Yes, sir, they are. And the statements which Boyden in turn made to the officer by whom he was arrested at your home? That is right, sir. I heard them from Harry's own lips. Did Mary Barton have any idea of the identity of the woman from whom she received the package? I think not, sir. She told Harry that the woman was veiled and that she could not see her face. The incident seemed so strange, sir, that Mary gave Harry Boyden all of these particulars. Did she describe the strange woman, her form, or her attire? I think she stated that the woman was plainly clad, nothing more definite that I know of. In fact, Miss Page, you have now told me all that you know about the case, haven't you? Really, sir, I think I have, admitted Violet, with a look of anxious appeal. Nick drew out his watch and glanced quickly at it. Ring for a carriage, Chick, he said abruptly. We have no time to lose. I'll call one at once, nodded Chick, as he sprang up and hastened from the room. Am I to depart now, Detective Carter? asked Violet, beginning to tremble. Oh, sir, will you not give me some word of encouragement before I go? I am sure that Harry Boyden never committed— Hush, interposed Nick, rising and taking her kindly by the hand. I cannot at present tell you, Miss Page, what I think of this case. I will say this, however— if Harry Boyden is, as you so firmly believe, innocent of this crime, I will not rest until I have proved him guiltless. Oh, Detective Carter, how am I to thank you, cried the girl, with her tearful eyes raised to Nick's kindly face. By trying not to do so, said he, smiling, and by carefully following a few directions, which I shall now give you. I will follow them to the very letter, sir, cried the grateful girl. First, then, go home and borrow no further trouble about young Boyden, said Nick impressively. Second, disclose to no person that you have called upon me or that I have any interest in the case. Third, say nothing about the jewel casket and display no personal knowledge of the affair. Fourth, do not come here again unless I send for you. And finally, 
rest assured that I will do all in my power to have young Boyden at liberty as soon as possible. To remain in custody a short time, however, will not seriously harm him, and in a way, it may do me some service. Can you remember all that? Indeed I can, sir, and I will obey you in all, cried Violet with much feeling. That's right, smiled Nick as he escorted her to the door. You shall not lose anything by doing so. I am sure of that, sir. You are so very kind, and I am so glad that I came to you. Well, well, we shall see, laughed Nick with a paternal caress of her shapely white hand. By the way, Miss Page, since I now happen to think of it, the crafty detective indifferently added, wasn't there a Hindu juggler or snake charmer or something of that sort connected with your late vaudeville company? Oh, yes, sir. Pandu Singh. Ah, that is his name, is it? Yes, sir. Is he still in the city? I'm not sure, Mr. Carter, but I think that he may be, for he is signed with the company for next season. Do you know where he's been living? Yes, sir. I've seen his house address on letters forwarded to the theater. Do you want it, sir? If you could recall it, yes, smiled Nick, producing his notebook. I'm making a study of the Hindu language just at this time, and I would like to consult Pandu Singh about certain books on the subject. Miss Page did not suspect any duplicity in this, and she cheerfully gave Nick the address of the snake charmer, whereupon the detective graciously thanked her and then escorted her to her waiting carriage. As it rolled rapidly away, a second hat came bowling up to the curbstone in front of Nick's residence. It was the carriage for which Chick had sent a call. Don't cover your horses, cabby, cried Nick sharply. Wait about three minutes and we'll be with you. Right, sir. And Nick dashed back up the steps and into the house, meeting Chick in the hall. What do you make of it, Nick? Make of it? cried Nick with a laugh. It's a cinch, Chick, dead open and shut. Grab your hat and come with me. I'll explain in the carriage. Good enough. I'm with you, old man. And we have no time to lose, cried Nick. Now then, we're off. End of chapter 10 Recording by Dory Smith.